This podcast is brought to you by Easton. There are those who play and those who watch, those who cheer and those who are cheered, those who know that every hit has a bat, every catch has a glove, and every game a winner. At Easton, our passion is delivering a complete system of unparalleled technology and advanced products designed to give baseball players an elite edge. Easton Baseball, built to win. Welcome once again, everyone, to a Baseball America College podcast. Along with Aaron Fitt, I am John Manuel. We are live in Omaha. This podcast, of course, isn't, but uh, we are alive and well back home in Omaha, Aaron, at the Sleep Inn. And uh, I'm not sure if we're in Omaha or if we're in Iowa here at this uh, hotel, but it is very exciting to be here and uh, more exciting to have watched two interesting days of games and uh, an exciting College World Series still yet to be played, Aaron. Yeah, it's been great so far, I think, John. Uh, three upsets and... Uh... Uh, the first two days, uh, the first two games on the, on the first day, I thought were very competitive and compelling. Uh, yesterday's games, not so much, but but still compelling. I thought, um, you know, Fresno State continuing its magical run. Uh, you know, that's that's uh, that's great theater, I think. And, it is. And, and uh, I think I think people are starting to rally behind that team in Omaha, like they did around UC Irvine last year. Um, and then, of course, North Carolina. You know, a lot of fun to watch because you get to you get to see the best pitcher in the event uh, coming up big on, on a big stage, Alex White. I think uh, I think there are a couple aspects there. I think the, the first day's game, to get into the, the compellingness of the games, and the first day's games both were ninth inning games. You know, I thought the Stanford Florida State game was a great game for eight innings. Uh, it seemed like people thought it was a little tedious around here. It did last four plus hours. The pace wasn't the best, but I thought it was a good game. Uh, but then in the ninth inning, things got a little out of hand, and I think we all felt bad for Tony Delmonico just to have that kind of a meltdown uh, playing-wise. And then obviously the other game, uh, the Miami-Georgia game, also came out of the ninth inning. The problem with both those games for me was they turned more on one team's mistakes. You know, Georgia played well. Both Georgia and Miami played well. Carlos Gutierrez, that error in the ninth inning, and then the pass ball, wild pitch, third strike, the third strike wild pitch with Yasmani Grandal. Those two mistakes by Miami really opened the door for Georgia. Not that Georgia didn't perform, because Ryan Paisal had a big hit. He had three big hits. Lyle Allen had the big hit. But uh, to, to me, the Sunday games and the other bracket, uh, the Fresno State-Rice game and the North Carolina LSU games, the only real mistake that stood out in that, I mean, Ryan Berry made a couple mistakes, like he talked about the Rice pitcher, but really Fresno he just deserves the credit for just squaring up a lot of balls. But North Carolina LSU game, that game was really more about uh, things the teams did right. The only yeah. guy who really screwed up was the first base umpire. Exactly. His name is slipping my mind. He just ridiculously blew a call, and a crucial call uh, in the eighth inning of LSU's rally. I still think North Carolina uh, was going to win that game because Rob Wooten got two basically weak chopper ground outs, and he looked pretty good yesterday out of North Carolina's bullpen. But LSU uh, has, has been amply demonstrated, Aaron. They can come back on anybody. They never believe they're out uh, of a game, no matter how many runs they're down. So I think North Carolina did dodge a little bit of a bullet there in the eighth inning with the help of that call. You know, in, in a way, John, LSU kind of reminds me a little bit of last year's Louisville team. Yeah, good point. Uh, in, in that they're both, they, they have these, uh, these, these um, offenses that string hits together, and, and it's just very much one of those things where, you know, everyone talks about how hitting is contagious, I think with with those two teams, that's particularly the case. And both teams also can beat you with power or speed. Yep. Louisville had Boomer Whiting last year, but they also had other stolen base guys up and down the lineup. But they had all those home runs. And LSU, as you've pointed out in the preview, this is not just some slugging gorilla ball team. They can manufacture runs as well. And uh, also, I mean, I, I think I think you know, it's an interesting decision. I thought by Paul Maneri to to bring. 
Um, uh, Blake Martin out of the bullpen yesterday announced basically that he's going to start Jared Bradford on, yeah. on Tuesday. Um, you know, I think that's the right move. Jared Bradford really is, is has been their best pitcher for three years. When you're facing elimination, throw your best choker. I agree. And uh, you know, I, I think that'll that that Rice uh, Rice. Um, LSU, LSU game is, is going to be a gem. I mean, we got two elimination games here. Unbelievable elimination games. They really are. I mean, Miami, Florida State uh, on, on the left side of the bracket. You got you know. 40, 40 career College World Series trips plus, like 45 trips between those two schools facing each other in an elimination game. That's one we might have to look up. I mean, obviously you're going to have more trips in 2008 than you would have had in, like, in 1991. Combined trip. I, I gotta imagine it's the most combined college series appearances ever in an elimination game, and then Rice LSU, uh, you know, regional rivals just like Florida, uh, Florida State, Miami are not not quite conference rivals, but uh, you know, Rice and LSU have had some has some history out here in Omaha Absolutely. as well. So it's that's that's a heck of a match. Those are two great elimination matchups. Let's talk about the winning teams first, though. Uh, you know, you do have in the left bracket Georgia and Stanford, Aaron. And talking about Georgia and Stanford, who play today, Monday, you got, uh, you know, those two teams have some Omaha history, as Jim Callis likes to talk about. Uh, whenever you talk to him about College World Series history, uh, BA's Jim Callis loves to talk about Mike Reebhan from your 1990 uh, Georgia Bulldogs, who beat Mike Mussina twice uh, in two different games, obviously, in 1990, as Georgia eliminated Stanford on its way to its first and uh, to this today only national championship. That was also the first uh, championship for the Southeastern Conference ever. And uh, now Georgia and Stanford play again. They haven't played since 1992. They face each other in a regional in Tallahassee. That's really meaningless, that part of the history. But I'm sure for some of their fans, the 1990 memories are out there. And, uh, you know, Stanford kind of hasn't been the same. They weren't really the same, uh, Aaron, for several years. They didn't get back to Omaha until 1995. And that 1990 bunch was led by Paul Carey, a senior first baseman who'd been on the 87 and 88 championship teams. The only thing that's the same is Stanford uniforms, although they have closed up the A. Now it says Stanford, not Stunford. And uh, Mark Marquis and Dean Stotts in the dugout. And, uh, and to me, Stanford is kind of a hot team. But uh, Georgia stumbled toward the end of the regular season, didn't play well in the SEC tournament. But, Aaron, uh, they're right. In the, uh, well, first of all, they've got to have a lot of confidence after beating Miami. And second of all, Nick Montgomery, who's starting today, is probably the hottest pitcher on that side of the bracket. Yeah, he very well might be, and, and this is a, a matchup of, of two guys who weren't in the starting rotation really the first half of the season, because I imagine Stanford will be going with Austin Yao. Yeah, they didn't announce it yet, but we both assume Austin Yao, and I agree. Uh, which, you know, he's been pretty good, too. I think Montgomery's been better lately, but, you know, I still wonder about Montgomery. He's only made a couple of starts this year. I think he's made four starts now this whole season, uh, you know, and two of them came the last two weeks. Um, you know, you just you just don't know. Will, will, will he be able to keep it up? But so far, he's looked very impressive. Uh, but uh, you know, will, will, will he have the stamina? Will he be able to, um, to to slow down that Stanford offense, which looked so good uh, in Game One here? Right. I, I don't know. I think it's, uh, it's it's an interesting question. I do think that that Georgia has a deep enough bullpen that if he gets into trouble, they they should be able to cover him. It's one thing to you know start and go nine innings in a regional elimination game against Georgia Tech at your home field. And, and then also to pitch against NC State in a super regional, but it was an elimination game, but on your home field. It's quite another to toe the slab, as Bill Ballou might say, in front of 20,000 jokers in Rosenblatt Stadium uh, with a season, not on the line, but a big-time game. So, uh, against an offense, John Stanford, that I think is 
I think is much better, certainly much better than NC State's, and I also think it's, it's a lot better than Georgia Tech's because it, it, it can Agreed. beat you a lot more ways than Georgia Tech's can. Agreed. And Stanford got some breaks from Florida State. Boy, they really pounded down the door when it was creaked open by those Tony Delmonico errors. And Jason Castro looked outstanding the other day. You know, the more you watch him, the less he looks like an overdraft at 10 overall. I mean, we thought he was a first-round talent, maybe not 10th overall, but he just hits. And Sean Ratliff... Exciting, exciting player to watch. And this, the whole Stanford offense, yeah. uh, they, they're, they're left-leaning, as we've talked about all year. And we don't mean politically. We mean they have a lot of left-handed hitters. Um, Stanford's going to be a tough out. And you can harken back to past podcasts where my uh, Stanford favoritism of past years, born of years of uh, Ryan Garko watching and uh, Carlos Quentin and Chris O'Reardon and Josh Hokusang and all those kind of guys, was mocked in some ways or questioned at least, as why we had them number three in our rankings and why I kept saying I thought Stanford could get here. But we saw the other day, A, they can really hit. B, when they have Jeremy Blyche, they do have enough pitching depth. And uh, Drew Storm was good. He wasn't great the other day. He gave him the big three-run home run. But uh, I think Stanford's got enough to win this bracket, and I think Georgia's got enough to win this bracket. Yeah. I, I think these are, you know, just because Miami and Florida State were the picks and all that kind of stuff, obviously one of those two teams are going to be eliminated, Aaron. And I don't think Georgia or Stanford would would be fluky bracket champions. Certainly not. I think we talked about this heading into the. <clears throat> excuse me. That's okay. We talked about this heading into the College World Series. Uh, I thought all four of those teams on that half of the bracket really had a legit shot uh, because you know certainly Georgia was there two years ago. It's an inexperienced team. They won the SEC. I right. Mean, you know this is not a, a fluke. Absolutely, they were the best team in the SEC from start to finish. They were and, and until at the very end, <laughs> LSU won twenty five. Out of 26 games, which is kind of crazy still. And then you've got Stanford, which I think we, we even gave a higher winnability number to, than, than, than Georgia heading we into did. this thing. Uh, because, we, you know, I think Stanford is very well constructed. I think they're, they're pretty balanced. Um, you know, I think this game could go either way. I don't think there's a clear-cut favorite. Um, I, have a, I have a feeling about Georgia, John. I don't know what it is about them, just the way they played. I feel like they've got an awful lot of confidence, and I'm sure Stanford obviously has plenty of confidence as well. But just something about Georgia, I just, I just, uh, I like their chances in this game. I can't quite put my finger on it. Maybe it's just you know the Gordon Beckham factor in the middle of the lineup is that stabilizing force, and uh, you know I, I like Rich Poitras behind in the way the way him and Massinari and those guys are swinging the bat. And Bryce Massinari swung the bat very well the other day. I agree. And, and, and Ryan Pizel, just a difference maker atop that lineup. What a great player. Yeah, he's a guy who's singled out by Dave Perno for the leadership and just uh, what he provides the team. And, and I have a feeling about Georgia, too. I think it goes – I was really impressed. You've written about it all year. I was very impressed to finally see in person how effective their bullpen is. And I've been a Josh Fields doubter, a Joshua Fields doubter, because of the high walk rate. He still has the high walk rate despite how effective he's been this year. I gotta tell you, he was dominant the other day, and that breaking ball through to David DiNatale should be outlawed at the amateur level. That was not an amateur curveball; that was a professional curveball, Aaron. That was a first-round curveball, and he was also a 95, 96, 97. So I give a slight edge to Georgia as well, despite my Stanford proclivities. I'm also picking Stanford in that game. However, in the elimination game you mean today, Georgia. Georgia. <laughs> I am picking Georgia. No, I'm not picking Stanford. I'm picking Georgia, and I, I give the edge to Georgia because of the bullpen. And their bullpen was better than the University of Miami's the other day, and that's saying something. Uh, but in the, in the elimination game, I'm sticking with the deeper south, kind of your Georgia-North Florida jokers here. I'm picking Florida State to eliminate Miami. Uh, they played two out of three games. They played three games in Tallahassee this year. Miami won two out of the three. 
this game will not be shortened by a curfew, although I'm sure some people in the press box would wish that there was a curfew on some of these games. But I just don't like where the University of Miami is right now, Aaron. I don't uh, think their template all year is win with that bullpen. Shorten the, the game to six or seven innings and win with the bullpen. And I know Jim Morris is uh, really good at all this stuff, and I have the utmost respect for him. But I just have a feeling that Florida State's going to play, play better with its back against the wall than Miami will because I think Miami's only lost ten times all year. And as I, I've used this word, and it's not pejorative, but they are kind of a front-running team. They play well with the lead, and uh, they played well with the lead the other day in 45-0 and all year, and they lost it to Georgia. I think their confidence is going to be a little shaken, and I, I like Florida State to eliminate the Hurricanes today, and Miami is the number one seed and the pre-tournament favorite to go two and Q in Omaha. Well, I'm going to go the other way. I, I like Miami still, um, you know. And, and here's the thing: Carlos Gutierrez struggled on Saturday, but not like his is, stuff was bad either. His stuff wasn't bad. He got he got a, a strikeout that should have been out number two in that inning, which changes the entire complexion. Correct. Uh, if, if if you know the guy doesn't reach on a wild pitch, but he you know he he recovered after giving up that home run to John Gaston in the Super Regionals. Uh, he came back and, and, you know, maybe he wasn't dominant, but he came back and got the job done. He was good enough. This guy, I don't think he's, his conference is going to be uh, irreparably, irreparably shaken after, uh, after losing that game the other day. I think he's going to come back fine. They're going to use the same formula, Bellamy and Gutierrez at the end of the game. Uh, what, whether they, you know, what they do in the, the beginning half of the game, I don't know. We'll see how, if in fact Jim Morris starts David Gutierrez and how long he, he lasts. Um, I, you know, I trust Jim Morris's judgment on this, but sure. I just think that Miami's the better team. I mean, they've certainly got the better defense. We saw how bad, frankly, how bad Florida State's right. defense is the other day. You're right. Uh, and, and Miami, you know, with the exception of that ninth inning, a couple of fluke plays. There's really, I mean, you know, there by the pitcher is a is a fluke play, especially on the heels of that wild pitch. Uh, you know, I'm not certainly going to bury Miami's defense. We we saw Ryan Jackson out there making how many good plays. He looked outstanding. I mean, and they're all, they're they're outfield. I mean, they're just they're just a really good defensive team. Uh, I think that will be the difference here. Uh, I like I like Miami. I just can't see Buster Posey being as beautiful player as he is going to in barbecue in Omaha. If I can give you a bad Mike Martin impersonation, I'm not sure which one I like better, my Mike Martin or my Jim Morris. I think my Jim Morris Your Jim is better. Morris is more more time tested. I think my Jim Morris one is better, but I enjoy my Mike Martin one more. Uh, it's the Baseball America College podcast. I'm John Manuel slash Rich Little. He's Aaron Fit. I guess for this generation, uh, it would be the Frank Caliendo pers- uh, impersonations would be better. Uh, Aaron, other side of the bracket, Rice Fresno State. Uh, F- Rice gets whacked by former whack conference foe Fresno State, and I think Fresno State was the most impressive team here, and that they're the four seed and the underdog and yada yada yada. But boy, they just destroyed Ryan Barry and Rice. They just buried it. They buried them with uh, a barrage of three run homers. Three three run homers. I guess to me, Fresno's offense, uh, as you said, statistically coming into the tournament was actually what ranked seventh out of the eighth team, ranked last, ranked last, the only team coming in that, that averaged less than seven runs a game. I mean, and it was oh, they were averaging like five point six, right? It was it was, it was it, they, were, they were they were they were last, and it was kind of clear that they were the eighth offense, and that's playing in the WAC, which has some really high upside, uh, some really high offensive ballparks and high offense environments. Um, yet their offense looked extremely potent. They scored 17 runs with Steven Susdorf, their four-hole guy, going over. Um, he was the only guy who really didn't contribute. He got hit by a pitch and scored. Um, everyone else contributed for Fresno, but to me, Aaron, I think their magic carpet ride is running out of gas. I don't know, it's a, mixing my metaphors like milking a dog there. 
But to me, Fresno's going to start running out of magic beans or whatever you want to say. Clayton Allison's injury really – I don't yeah. think that – losing Tanner Shepherds was one thing. I made the analogy on the blog to you know lose a key player. and We're ACC basketball area people, so or at least I am. We're not Florida State people. But uh, you know, losing Carlos Boozer to help propel Duke to a national championship – they play. They kind of coalesced without him uh, in basketball. I think that you know, and and Gavin Hedstrom confirmed for me that he thought that has happened with Fresno State. But if they don't have their one starter in Shepherds, and they don't have their three starter in Clayton Allison, are they right. really good enough to keep on winning out here? I just they, I think the answer's got to be no. They don't have enough on the mound. They just I mean, with Clayton Allison, it's a completely completely different story because I think he gives you a legitimate chance to win your second game against North Carolina if you're two and zero. You know that changes the entire complexion. You get another day off. Absolutely. You know you, you can maybe come you can bring back, back with Justin, with Justin Wilson. Wilson. If you need to. Yep. Uh, but but right now I just think I mean maybe you know maybe they cobble something together here. Maybe they get a couple of good innings out of you know maybe, who knows maybe Justin Holmes. Miller pitches well. Right. I haven't seen Justin Miller pitch very well here lately. They do uh, have de- they do have depth. I mean Justin Will- Justin yeah. Miller and Holden Sprague are both guys. You know, Holden Sprague won the last game of the regional. Miller now ha- you're right. Miller hasn't pitched well. His last two starts in the regional and in the super regional, uh, he did not last. Uh, he got bombed in the regional by uh, San Diego. They lost that game 15 to one, and they did not pitch well against Arizona State either. That doesn't mean he won't pitch well here, but it just is he's their fourth guy. Holden Sprague is their fifth guy. It's just very unlikely. Doesn't mean they can't do it, but it's unlikely they're going to win a bracket with other teams like North Carolina, LSU, and uh, and Rice. It's unlikely they're going to win that bracket using their fourth and fifth starters, and everyone else is using two and three. Does it mean they can't do it? No, but it's just really unlikely. And North Carolina did look really good yesterday. I thought Fresno State has been all overall the most impressive of the eight teams we've seen so far, but. North Carolina was right there with them. Um, the only thing that I, I was concerned about at all with North Carolina was those middle relievers, yes. the, the bridge uh, between the starters and, and Wooten. Um, uh, Colin Bates uh, didn't pitch yesterday, but Brian Moran did and, and was a little shaky. Oh, he was, frankly, supremely unimpressive. He did, he did. He did get Matt Clark on, uh, you know, in, in a key spot with the bases loaded and nobody out. He did, or, or one out maybe. But he was eighty-three to eighty-seven with a really a fringy or below-average slider, and uh, it was slow, slower. It just wasn't uh, impressive. It doesn't mean that he didn't get a key out because he did, but he got he got into more trouble than he got out of. Certainly not dominant like he has looked at times this year, and I think that's got to be a little bit of a concern. And Colin Bates, I looked it up yesterday. He hasn't pitched. <laughs> he hasn't pitched out of the in relief and pitched a scoreless outing since May thirteenth against Winthrop. That was a midweek game against Winthrop. Ever every outing since then, Colin Bates has given up runs. And North Carolina's SID John Martin said, "Yet his ERA has basically doubled uh, in the last three weeks." So uh, North Carolina's middle relief. Is you know that that's their Achilles heel right now because certainly infield defense that we've talked about all year, Aaron, is not right now. Ryan Grapel looks outstanding at shortstop. He looked really good. He made the key double play. Obviously, he got help at first from the um, from the umpire, but uh, he also had three hits. I think Mike Fox is pushing all the right buttons, and the right button he pushes. It was good to give Moran a shot. There were enough left-handers there in that lineup. If you're going to have Brian Moran, you're going to use him. That's the situation you're going to use him. But when push came to shove, he went to his guy. It wasn't a safe situation. He didn't wait for a safe situation. He just put in Rob Wooten. Yeah. Let's get out of this jam right now. I mean, and it worked. I thought that was a no-brainer move. I mean, you, you let Moran pitch to the lefty Clark. 
Uh, and then, you know, I think the next hitter came up was right-handed. You go to Wooten. I mean, it, it was it was 8-4. to four. The bases were loaded. That's the crucial spot in that game. You go to your stopper. And that's how they've used Wooten all year. He's only got four saves. He's not right. a conventional, you know, late-inning, one-inning closer. It was a moment of truth. It was a moment of truth. He's a moment of truth guy. And, and boy, he looked really good. That's very encouraging. Well, North Carolina now plays Fresno State and Rice plays LSU. I gotta admit, Aaron, I just wasn't impressed with Rice at all. Uh, the lineup no. did not have competitive at bats really against Fresno. Justin Wilson was good, but he wasn't great. And uh, Rice is looking like the two and Q victim on that side of the bracket. Uh, I, I just think LSU has a little too much mojo going for them right now to 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 go out like that. Yeah, I think I'm with you there, John. I think uh, I think uh, LSU is is frankly the better team. In, in, in most vases, I think maybe Rice has an advantage in the bullpen. Mm-hmm. I like LSU's offense better all the way around. I think that they're I like more Rice's, athletic. I, I like LSU starting pitching better. And I right like now. that's what I was going next is I do like LSU starting pitching better than Rice's. Certainly, I'll take Jared Bradford uh, over uh, over Chris Kelly or whoever the, the Owls throw. It sounds like it's going to be Chris Kelly. Uh, you know, I I just think that that LSU is a better team. They're more athletic in the lineup. They've got more power in the lineup. They've got more speed. Uh, I think they've got tougher outs. Frankly, the more you look at this Rice team, I, mean, I think we ranked Rice, what, 14th in the preseason? Yeah, I believe so. You really do look at it and you go, man, Wayne Graham did one hell of a job to get this team to Omaha. He did a great job. And, and, and they're not a bad team. They do have talent. But but this is not a classic Rice team. It's not vintage. It's, it's really, I mean, you know, I, I don't think this team will, can win the national championship the way it's pre- presently constructed. No. Uh, and, and it's not because their lineup is bad. I think their lineup might be good enough if they had better starting pitching. I, I agree with you, actually. I, 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 it's surprising to say that starting pitching is really Rice's biggest weakness. But I think, you know, there would be a, a Rice team with Ryan Barry as their number two starter and maybe a power arm ahead of him would be a really good team. Like yeah. To me, Ryan Barry's like a better version of Adam Warren for North Carolina. Um, he's a he's a lot better version. But, you know, Ryan. They're pretty comfortable. Adam Warren, Adam Warren is twenty two and one in his career. I shouldn't be bagging on those Adam guys. Warren. Have John? I think those guys have really similar stuff. I mean, you know, Barry might have a slightly better curveball, but their velocity is very similar. Warren's got, I think, a more varied repertoire. That's what, that's why I made the comp. I, I think, think it's a great. I think it's a great comparison. I don't think it's a stretch at all to say that that that. Uh, Ryan Barry is a heck of an interview. I give that kid. Plus, he he earned some significant Tommy points uh, yeah, the other day. With his uh, interview performances post game, can we call him Johnny Points? <laughs> you can, you can call him Johnny Points if you want to. Maybe Yanni Points if you want to uh, go Greek, Greek with it. Uh, but North Carolina, Fresno State. I think we're both picking North Carolina, Aaron, in that one. Yeah, I would feel better about that prediction if uh, Matt Harvey were starting for North Carolina. And I actually posited to you post game last night that I believe North Carolina could maybe go Matt Harvey as its two starter and slide that veteran Adam Warren into that middle relief breach. Left there by Colin Bates' ineffectiveness and some of the ineffectiveness elsewhere, but it looks like uh, Mike Fox is actually leaning the other way, starting as veteran Warren is twenty-two and one veteran Warren. What a what a what a terrible move! He's starting a pitcher who's twenty-two and one. Um, why, why on earth did he do that? pitched great in Omaha last year too. Got two wins in Omaha. There's, there's last your year. biggest difference between between Barry and Warren is, is Warren came up huge in Omaha last year and, and Barry has struggled there two years in a row. That's a great point and it's a, a huge, a significant advantage in Adam Warren's favor. And, and John, what here's the other thing is if they started Harvey in Game Two and used Warren in Middle Relief, well, who they start in Game Three? I mean, would you bring White back on short rest? That doesn't make sense to me. I think you keep your rotation lined up the way it has been all year. Sure, you can do that, but you, you could bring out uh, Alex White back if you wanted to. But you also the, the thing that North Carolina has, they do have pitching depth. They have several options they could go to, obviously. But I think the main thing is 
they're going to play it. They're not going to panic. I think Mike Fox has learned from the past here in Omaha when he, I wouldn't say panicked, but he has tinkered, and that tinkering sometimes leaves you in situations that you yeah. don't want to be in, like he's, having a freshman catcher playing first base in a national championship game. He's he is going to dance with the girl that brung him this time. I think he, you know, we talked about this before. He's done a great coaching job this year. I think he's a, just a, a much more confident coach uh, now than he was two years ago. And just like any player, uh, like he talked about in the game last night, you want players to learn. You want them to get better. You want them to learn from the game. And to Mike Fox's credit, he's learned from the game as well. He's learned from the experiences here in Omaha. I think North Carolina looked like, well, there's a reason why they were the only favorite to win in the first four games, Aaron. A, they had the best starting pitcher by far. He showed it. Two, and that's with all due respect to Chris Hernandez. Two, uh, they played with the most poise and the least nerves, the least panic. North Carolina did not show any nerves. Every other team showed at least a few. I mean, Justin Wilson had like a 7 nothing lead, and the first thing he did in the bottom of the fourth was walk a guy. I mean, that's just not what you do when you have a 7 nothing lead, and you're a veteran. So even Fresno, in a game where they romp, showed a little bit of nerve, I thought. So uh, uh, You know, I, I don't know, I guess. I mean, Wilson just, I thought he showed a lot of poise. He threw a lot of strikes. He didn't really walk very many guys. I mean, yeah, he walked one guy, and they're up 7 nothing. I'm sure he walked a couple others. I just know that he walked that guy, and he got a visit to the mound from his catcher to settle him down. I'm not saying the guy panicked, but I'm saying everybody... North Carolina was at its best. Everybody for North Carolina was at their best uh, last night, except for Brian Moran. Uh, I mean, I think Fresno was pretty much the same way. That's how they scored 17 runs. But again, I think North Carolina looked better. I think North Carolina is a better team. And North Carolina's offense, as we saw, pretty relentless. 17 hits against LSU. LSU was throwing pretty much all their best pitchers, with the exception of Bradford. Uh, I think when they're going up against Fresno State's pitching, North Carolina will be just as relentless. So I think uh, we're in agreement on that one. And, and again, Fresno State could win that thing because uh, you know nobody's going to pick Fresno State for anything. Basically, this is this team is going to be an underdog in almost every game they play. I mean, they're the lowest lowest seeded team ever to get here. Right. That doesn't mean they're not capable of winning. Feel like they are. I mean, they're they're really good and they're really hot. I would like their chances quite a bit actually if they still had. If Allison. They still had Allison. I would really think about it here. I, I agree. I think that just it's just hard. I, and I, I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if they went two and two in the bracket if they lost to North Carolina, beat LSU or Rice, and then lost to North Carolina again. I guess you get where I'm going with this though. Uh, I switched last week. This is our last podcast here because I'm going back to uh, Raleigh, North Carolina, as uh, James Brown said um, on Wednesday. But uh, you know, for me, North Carolina is the class of that bracket here, and yeah. I think they're the best team in that bracket. They uh, were just. We're not just judging it off one game. They were the best team in that bracket coming in, yep, and they're too. gonna. It might be left to them to carry the uh, weight for the ACC. Um, I'm actually picking. So I'm. I mean, we're gonna make our revised picks. We, we revise our picks every round because that's what you do. You have a new set of information, and I'm picking North Carolina to win that half of the bracket, and I'm still picking North Carolina to win the whole tournament. Uh, who do you like on that half of the bracket? I like North Carolina on that half of the bracket, like I did coming in. Um, as far as the other game. I think we both talked about we both like LSU, it sounds like. Yes, I believe we both like LSU. Um, on the other half of the bracket, you know, I'm going to stick with Miami, John, and, and uh, I don't think they're out. And, and, I, and I do think that, that fighting through the loser's bracket, that's not what they're really built to do. But it builds character. It builds character. <laughs> I mean, I, I have faith in Jim Morris, and I have faith in his players. I really have faith in those players. I think this is a very good team. It is. I think they're going to bounce back from this. 
Um, you know, and Georgia, Stanford, I mean, heck, Florida State, any one of those teams could win that thing. That, that bracket is wide open for me. There's not a clear-cut best team. Like, I think I really truly believe North Carolina is the clear-cut best team on its half of the bracket. The other side, I have no idea, but I, I'm going to stick with Miami, which is the team that I thought was the best all year long, uh, or at least the second half of the year. Right. Um, and, and, uh, but I think you've got to, you've got to say right now that North Carolina is the favorite to win the national championship. I would agree there. On the other side of the bracket, I think Miami is the best team, but the best team doesn't always win in Omaha. I think they're clearly the best team. I think they separated themselves. No matter how you want to talk about their schedule, uh, they're the best team. Uh, they have the best lineup and, uh, they have the best hitters. Uh, they have the best off, uh, infield defense. They're outstanding on the infield. And they have six good pitchers, which is usually the best formula. But for whatever reason, I think Miami is not going to win the College World Series. I just I have a blew a game they had to have the other night, and I, I'm my confidence in them is shaken. But more, I think their confidence is shaken. Uh, trying to play a little pop psychologist here, I guess. But I think their confidence is a little shaken. I'm even we'll though I'm, see. even though I'm not picking them to win today uh, against Georgia, I'm picking Stanford to win that side of the bracket. I think Stanford has the uh, deepest lineup. Uh, I like the way Zach Jones and Jake Schlander looked the other day. They're freshmen on the left side of their infield. Jake Schlander looks really good defensively, uh, as expected, as predicted. Uh, I think Stanford's really strong up the middle. Uh, I think that Stanford's lineup, one, you know, one to nine works for me. But I also like their pitching. Um, I like their pitching just enough. Boy, if Eric Davis were pitching better right now, I'd really feel good about that Stanford pick. But um, I'm picking a North Carolina-Stanford uh, championship series and, Oh, the championship game and series has not been good to Stanford uh, this decade. They lost in 2000, 2001, and 2003, uh, and they could be the bridesmaid again in 2008 to North Carolina. So that's my revised pick now that we're out here is North Cackalack and Stanford, and I'm picking uh, Cackalack. Um, but uh, I think that they're the best bet to carry the banner for the Atlanta Coast Conference. The first team eliminated here in Omaha this year will be an Atlantic Coast Conference team. I'm sure that's not the first time that's happened. <laughs> Probably won't be the last. But Miami and Florida State in an elimination game should be exciting today, Georgia and Stanford. So we hope you enjoyed the podcast. Hope you enjoyed the series. I think if you listen to these podcasts, it's almost inevitable that you will enjoy the College World Series because it's just too darn good. So uh, for Aaron Fit, I'm John Manuel. Thanks so much for downloading us and joining us here at BaseballAmerica.com. Until next time, so long, everybody.